Hello and welcome to the Dance of Soul. You're with Natasha Venter, I, who is a psychic medium. I do personal life coaching and I enjoy helping people work through their life strategies of, uh, yeah, sometimes that shadow work, right? And we have Regan Forreston here, our, my co-host and, and partner in the Dance of, of, I don't want to call it crime, but the crime Dance of horror. Life. <laughs> And um, he is a, uh, a clinical hypnotherapist and does many things. And, you know, we both have a lot of knowledge that, you know, collectively we've walked through life. And, you know, I've, I've had a shorter life than he has, but yet life made me put both feet in and jump in and, and walk through the mud. So with that, that, you know, we both have knowings and we have a very wonderful guest here at this time. And it's our first time really meeting him too is Bruce Starr. And he is an amazing man who has also had some life journeys of negotiations and welcome Bruce to our show. It's going to be an hour show. We're going to have some free conversations about things, but I'm going to let him tell a little bit about himself. And you'll have to excuse, sorry, just a second, Bruce. I'm going to make a little side commercial here. Uh, Regan is still working through his cough, so we're going to acknowledge yeah. that he is going to get healthier and healthier, so we're yeah. going to allow him to do so. Thank you. If you start coughing, uh, Regan, you may find me muting you. Okay. Okay. Can you okay. Mute, mute me? Sorry, Bruce. Sorry about that. I had to do a little disclosure. Go ahead, Bruce. Well, I, I want to thank you both for having me on the show. Uh, I'm glad that I found you, and I'm glad that you saw whatever information I was putting out there about myself uh, became of interest to you. Uh, I have been on quite a, a, a path. As a matter of fact, I know you're on the, where on the West Coast are you, are you uh, Natasha? I'm up in Washington State on oh. the West Coast, and Regan is down in the San Francisco area. San Francisco oh. area, yeah. Okay, all right. My, I have my sister moved to Bend, Oregon after living in Los Angeles for many years. Bend so, is nice. Yeah, it's very, very nice. And so uh, I've had many different lives already. Uh, I was in the entertainment industry out in Los Angeles, not just once, but twice. I was out there in the 80s uh, and I became, uh, I went to the improvisation every night that I was out there and became friendly with all the comedians and eventually uh, represented 35 stand-up comedians during the um, the 80s golden age of comedy. Yeah. And so that taught me a lot about uh, whatever I do, whatever I say, you have to throw humor in there and comedy in there, and it just makes the, the message a little easier to hear. But I was always, since 1975, it's a long time ago now, uh, I started on a spiritual path, uh, I, funny thing is I, I heard about this astrology thing and I called the uh, New England Astrological Society. I lived in Boston at the time, went to Northeastern University in Boston, great college town, great place to live. And uh, I asked for the, I wanted an astrology reading. So he said, well, you know, where do you live? I said, Watertown. He says, oh, the president of the New England Astrological Society lives in Watertown. I said, Wow, where did where does she live? Well, when he said the name of the street, she lived down the block from me. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that coincidence? I love synchronicities. <laughs> Literally around the corner from me, wow. and uh, she became my spiritual 
coach and uh, taught me all about astrology. And she even said to me, you should take my psychic development classes. I said, what? I don't... Listen, you, it, it was rough enough learning, believing in astrology, but what's this psychic development you're talking about? So in this class, one time she had a lady come in, sit in the middle of the room, and she said to everybody, just, just go over to her and, and put your hands around her, whatever it is, and see if you can figure something out. So mm -hmm. I remember putting my hands down her back, and my hand jumped three times on her back. What is this all about? And I did it again, and it jumped three times, and she said to me, so what... what I don't know what the other people came up with, but I don't think they came up with anything that I did. She said, well, what, what happened? She said, I said, my hand jumped three times when I was going down her back. And she turned to the young lady in the, in the chair and she said, is there a reason for that? She said, yes, I was horseback riding and my horse threw me and I broke my back in three places. Mm -hmm. mm. So I said, something is up here. I'm learning about something that... Uh, I have no clue about, and there's something to it. And I just really started taking off from there. Astrology, of course, will help you understand people. And I say this funny, my wife is sitting right here. Why did you first start taking astrology? Help me pick up chicks in Boston. I'm sorry, I said it. <laughs> it happened. But that's why I started you know, learning about astrology. And it, 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 uh, I had a, a breakup, like a heart breakup on my, with my first love. And when that happens a lot, your life is a little different. Whether people want to know it or not, uh, they go down a different path when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, men or boys at the time, if they get their heart broken, if the girlfriend breaks up with them, her parents make her break up with you. Your parents make you break up with her against your will. You get your heart broken. And when you go into a situation, I call it a full pie. When you're 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, you went there, you're, you're offering a full pie. Not a pizza pie. I call it an apple pie. But it's full what you're offering. And in other words, no reserve, no fears. You're just in it. If you get your heart broken, I know girls have a slightly better chance of recovering because they have their aunts, they have their mothers, they have their cousins, they have their girlfriends to talk to. Hopefully mm -hmm. they get some good advice. <coughs> Boys or men, do they have anybody to talk to? I don't think so. They're not going to go to the gym. And Joe is not going <laughs> to say to Frank, hey, Joe, I got my heart broken, my girl broke my heart. She told me I was a lousy lover and uh, she thinks I'm a big oaf and I'm so hurt. Is that going to happen? No. <laughs> Basically, he keeps it all in side. And that's a dangerous place for something like that to stay. So when, when, when women or girls say, what's with men? Why are they so retarded? That's why. Because they've kept all this anguish and this pain in and they've had no outlet for it. And if they don't watch themselves, they can go off into a life of, I wrote two books that just published in the last couple of months. 
they they can become a body trader. What is a body trader? There's no such word. There will be eventually. Mm-hmm. A body trader is someone who, hey, if uh, if you give up on love and uh, you start wanting other things in your life like sex, uh, security, uh, beauty, you just start going for different things. So what is a body trader? A body trader is if if you have enough of what I want, I will give you what I have. So it could be an exchange of security, uh, sexual, whatever it is. And uh, that used to be called horse trading. But <laughs> to make it a little bit more personal, I came up with the word body trading because really that's what it is. Instead of loving each other and being there for each other in a deep way, we're body trading. We're bouncing off each other. We're taking what we can get from each other. And so whether people want to admit that or not, I believe 80 and 90% of the world who are single are working in that way right now. They're not, they're too afraid, too hurt to come from their hearts mm-hmm. and they're just body trading. Exactly. And and that's the image that I got. I got the hit intuitively probably about, oh, it's about seven years ago now, eight years ago, that it was time for us women to hold men gently and help them find their emotions. Excellent. Help them acknowledge that they have never been taught in generations, many generations, cavemen type generations. Fred Flintstone. Yeah, cavemen type, you know, where men did, weren't allowed to have emotions. We were, you guys were supposed to be tough. It was us women who were said, oh, that's just women's intuition. You know, it's, you know, let, let them have their talk. Let, But men, you know, you weren't able to. And, and so this is the generation where, you know, the men are learning to be more sensitive. Even my kids, you know, I, I have um, one son and I have a, uh, I I have a transgender into a a woman um, child also that, you know, but I would say to these children, I understand that you want to cry. You can cry, but understand not everybody's going to respect that. And so if you need to cry, you have me, you have this home, you have this place to be, to be vulnerable, be vulnerable here. You may not be able to be that at school. You may not be able to be that out in the world but you are here because I want you to know that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be you. It's okay to do that dance. It's okay to be emotional because I can tell you that, that, you know, that's where alcoholism drugs, that's where men I've noticed that if they have, if they work with their heart chakra, they end up having heart attacks because they can't express their emotions. Really? I love what you're saying about, you know, uh, a, a school child. I felt very, very deeply. I'm a, I'm a, like a, a teacher. Uh, I've been a full-time teacher, a part-time teacher, a sub and all this stuff. And I've probably been in rooms with 10,000 kids by now. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that uh, wherever I go, I hear Mr. Star, Mr. Star. Like I could be just a sub, but they're remembering me from three years ago and five years ago. It's amazing. So we mm-hmm. have a really good connection. I think they know I really care. But I remember someone asked me a question just the other day. And they said to me, you know, I I wrote this book also, and I published them at the same time. The other book took me 30 years to write, edit, write, edit, write, edit, write, edit. This one took me a couple of years. And what does it say? 
her teen love coach. So what happened there was I would see these 12-year-old girls, 13-year-old girls who were little girls Mm -hmm. emotionally, but my God, they had blossomed way too early and had physical appearances that would make a 21-year-old girl very, very jealous. Mm -hmm. And my heart went out for them in a different kind of way because I saw that these two girls that I have in mind, uh, they weren't hiding what they had. So here's a 12 and a 13-year-old girl being pretty voluptuous and being not shy about it and wanting the attention for having, you know, that physical appearance. And I know from this point of view, all the way, all these years, that's not going to end well. It's not going to be a good thing because who are they going to attract? They can attract anywhere from a 18 year old to a 25 year old. And, you know, kids are, they, they lie about their ages what happens? Somebody's 24 years old. They find out they're with a 15 year old. So I saw these girls and I said to myself, I have to do something. And being a relationship coach, I literally sat at a computer and I typed as fast as I could what I was hearing in my head. And 272 pages later, <laughs> I, I have a manual, a Torah, a guide for a young teenage girl, could be you know, for guys too, mm-hmm. where she would meet this magical kind of guy in, in a park and it, they both loved feeding birds. And after weeks and weeks, they started talking. And one time she, <laughs> she would ask a question and he answered it. And then the next time she asked a question, he answered it in such a way that when she walked home, she said to herself, I learned more from this guy than I've ever learned about anything in my life. He becomes the her coach for the next five years. From 13 to 18, he answers every question she or a young teenage girl could have to help her understand relationships. Now, in this day and age, there's more broken families than ever before. There's more divorce than ever before. And there's more absentee, I'll say fathers, than ever before. And what happens when a situation like that comes up? The the poor mother has to go out and work two or three jobs just to luckily pay the bills. So what does that say what does that happen? What happens to the teen daughter? Where's her parental guidance? It's mm-hmm. gone. So where's she going to get it? She's going to get it in places that aren't going to teach her very well. So that's what this book is. This book is going to help any teenager, boy or girl, because a boy can look at this book and say, oh, that's what a girl feels like. Oh, that's mm-hmm. what a girl thinks. So I felt so strongly about helping those two girls that I had in mind that I wrote this book. What a blessing that you were able to, to uh, 
be available to the universe to get your download <laughs> to do that and then to have it written in a in a a way that you in a way of being the male can give your perspective on what this you know being the elder a lot of people don't don't take in consideration what the elder of life is you know the the first nation native american you know being of being the elder who helps the youngers come through. Now I've met a three-year-old elder before, so it's not about age. It's about <laughs> knowings and, and availability. And, and, you know, there's these dances and, and, you know, we have these youngers. I, I actually work in an elementary school myself right now. Um, the universe has put me in there. I was very dyslexic. So the universe put me in the elementary school system to learn how to read again like my <laughs> husband would say didn't you learn that in school and i said no i was surviving so no i did not learn that and Very my dad funny. was vowel deaf so a lot of the vowels and a lot of the words didn't make sense to me because i didn't understand the sound so i went back through <laughs> as my kids were going through school i went back through and and, and learned how to do and now i'm a paraeducator through the to the through the school system so i see a lot of the same thing where you know, like I had a conversation with six-year-old girls who was being fat shamed. She was a normal shaped girl, but she was being fat shamed by a male. And I was saying, you know, to her that, you know, we adults can't be around you all the time, but I can tell you the more he lets you, the more you let him in your brain now, in your, in your understanding now, you're going to carry him for the rest of your life. So what can you do whenever he starts saying something to you? La, 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 You know, I'm not listening to you. I love my body. I'm beautiful. I care about myself. You don't care. You don't matter. Just because you're insecure doesn't make me insecure. It's about giving them tools. And that's what this book does. It gives them all sorts of different kinds of tools. It's like a fiction story, but it's very non-fictional, which is... When people say to me, what kind of story? I said, it's a fiction, but it's very nonfiction. <laughs> I, I confuse people because it is a manual uh, to help these kids. But, you know, we, 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 and, and this, they'll only be able to hear it if you tell it in story-like fashion. And so that's what this is. It's, uh, I had so much fun writing it. Uh, I actually had so much fun that I started writing a book now for the lovelorn males from 18 to like 28 who are <laughs> going yeah. around with broken hearts and, and weak hardness. You know, I don't mean to be, uh, you know, politically incorrect, but just not, not able to get it together. And they're playing games and they're body traders and they're not going anywhere fast. And if they keep doing that, uh, you know, people talk a lot about dying alone and being alone and, that's going to happen if if they don't start being more of a, a love bug. They don't start being more of a, a love attractor and a love giver. Well, and that's the thing is, is that people don't truly understand what love is. Love isn't about what do you have. It's who you are. And you have to have it first before you can give something to anybody else. So that's the big thing. People say, well, I'm getting chills I, with that one. <laughs> I mean, how, how do I let somebody in? You have to let you in first. And, and it's so hokey 
but it's unless you can get rid of the I don't want to say self-hatred, but there's plenty of that out there. Uh, you know, unless you get rid of a lot of the things. Listen, we, we make mistakes. We talked before the show about making mistakes. How do you learn? You can't go through life not making mistakes. That's how you learn. You, you learn from your mistakes, but you don't beat yourself up because you made those mistakes. You, you gather your wits and say, no, thank you for that mistake. I appreciate it. I've got something to work on now where I was just in the ethers before and not knowing what the heck to work on. Well, now I know what I have to work on because of this big old mistake that's uh, you know still poking me in the arm. Mm-hmm. I, I have um, work with um, dyslexic kids sometimes. And this one girl who was dyslexic and English was her second language. And she'd say, she'd start reading a word and she'd go, oh, I made a mistake. And I said, you didn't make a mistake. You made a flubble. She goes, a flubble? What's a flubble? And I said, it's it's something that you you just made a, a a skip over it. You didn't know better to do better. It was it was a something that you just did and you didn't know you could do different. You know, it wasn't a mistake. How can you make a mistake when you didn't know better to do better? And so it's like, uh, you know, so I said a flubble and, and, and she goes, yeah. And I said, you can't be mad at yourself, can you? Because you're smiling when you say the word. You know, <laughs> and so she went home and her mom, she was reading for her mom and her mom says, you made a mistake. And she goes, I don't make mistakes. I make a flubble. And her mom yeah. went, what's a flubble? And so it was kind of nice that she had that. So that's how I'm looking at mistakes now. I made a flubble, you know. And, and, and being around the comedians now that I think about it, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You know, I'm around, I'm around these, just literally around all these comedians for years and years and they have some crazy lives. Talk about, you know, a lot of depression and a lot of uh, self-deprecation and their humor. Uh, they have a very difficult time, and that's where they get their humor from. If if they weren't abused as kids, I to, this is crazy. If if they weren't abused as kids, they never would be able to go through the process of being a stand-up comedian because of all the abuse they take from the not just the audience when they heckle yeah. them. But from the comedy club owners and they and, and from the other comedians, mm-hmm. if they're not used to being totally disrespected <laughs> and abused, you know, like remember I told you I, I was out in California twice, right? I was out there in the 80s and I left because I saw I, I can't have a life for myself out there. It's too dysfunctional, as exciting as it was and as much fun. I left, but I loved it so much I went back again. And because it's not the right industry for me in, in the long run, I left again. But you have to be able to find a place for yourself and a balance. And so I started doing uh, speaking and professional speaking and TV and radio hosting. And so, you, you know, you just you learn from everything that you do. You know, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I was. Um... Tried to get on stage at the Comedy Store, 1980. I was. And, uh, oh, you, I missed you by one year. Yeah. Well, and uh, and it, I learned a lot. It was a big lesson for me the first time. Uh, I, I had um, become a ventriloquist uh, a couple years before, and I heard about the Comedy Store, so I came up with a routine. I, I drove all the way down to L.A., and I'm thinking, you know, comedian, you know, it's got to be just a big bunch, a big bunch of nice guys. And this is going to be fun. So I sign up to go on stage at their uh, open mic night. And um, 
uh, this one comedian comes up to me and says, well, you got to stand over here so you can get picked, you know? And I said, okay. So I'm standing there and the night's going on and on. It's getting later and later and later. And uh, finally, the, the the guy that's people on the stage says, well, that's all for tonight. And I said, well, look, I was, this guy told me I was supposed to stand over here so I could get picked. And, he, and the guy says, no, man, that you, he just, he just did that. So you couldn't get on stage, you know? And, uh, it really hurt me. You know, I thought, here, here's this comedian guy, and he backstabbed me so that, you know, he could get time on stage. I couldn't. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so I I, uh, I didn't give up, though, and I went to the improv uh-huh. uh, uh, a couple weeks later, and um, I was, like, last in line. The time I went on was, it was almost 1 or one thirty in the morning, and there was only three people, three or four people left in the audience. And so here I am, my first time kind of getting some experience. So I'm up there with my dummy, you know, Andy. And the guy that was in the audience was from Car 54, Where Are You or something. Joey Ross? Yeah, the, he was there. And uh, I got one laugh out of him. I forget what joke it was. And uh, Did he so go, ooh, ooh, ooh. Something, yeah, it was, yeah, you can hear his voice, you know, <laughs> like that. So he was there and a couple You wouldn't know this, Natasha. We're sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's okay. I so, get it. You know, and that was, uh, and then um, I got a, finally got a job at a uh, at a honky tonk uh, uh, nightclub there on the strip uh, in uh, on Sunset. No, wait a minute, this was in Las Vegas. I got a little job, and it was um, a country western place. But in the break, they would let a comedian come on, and uh, and Vegas. So uh, I was doing it, and I got I got booed so bad. Uh, during the uh, during the first set that I did, that um, uh, I was supposed to do a second set. Well, I just packed up and ran out the back door. <laughs> it was so I know what you mean about comedians take. You know, there's a lot of dysfunction. There's a lot of uh, stuff, but there's something in you. There's something in us people that do comedy and that, that that like you know forces you to just keep taking that abuse until you get it uh, right. You know. So and then I I don't, I, I don't usually talk about this, but in my first. I really wanted to be a personal manager, yeah. which meant that you work with an an, an actor, an actress, a singer, dance, whatever, and you kind of help mold their career. That's really what I want to do. But I ended up being an agent for these stand-up comedians. I actually represented <laughs> 35 of them at one point, but I really resisted wanting to be an agent because everybody hates their agent. Their agent never gets enough work. Everybody hates their agent. But I don't want to be an agent. But yeah. my roommate, who was a comedy writer, uh, Barry, uh, he he said, listen, if you be an, an agent for these guys, the comedy club explosion is, was happening right in, in front yeah. of our eyes. It was. Every comedy club in every city had a comedy club. And here I was with 35 stand-up comedians. And he said, just go up to them and say, because they don't want to call. They don't want to call for themselves, the comedy clubs. And their agents for TV programming is too small to call. So I had this really nice little niche. And 35 of the guys said uh, I could uh, call for them. As a matter of fact, I, I have a video series called 80s 80s Golden Age of Comedy. If anybody writes that down, 80s Golden Age of Comedy. I interviewed over 50 stand-up comedians from the 80s and got their stories. Wow. Oh, such an interesting time. Do you remember any of the guys uh, that you sort of 
were around you that did? Well, I was from out of town. I was from out of town, and so what I did is I took things in my own hands and. I started going the corporate route and I started booking myself at, uh, for corporate events. And then I did that for almost 30 years because oh, wow. uh, that paid well. You know, the comedy clubs don't pay anything. But now let me put a spiritual, I'm going to put a spiritual um, thing on this. Twist. Um, twist. Yeah. <laughs> I had, uh, you, you know, I help people through the Newton Institute. I get people to, to the, I've been certified through them. And in the process, I get people to go really in a deep trance state, which most people can reach. Well, this one, um, one, one of my clients, when she walked in for her session, she was she just made me laugh and smile. Just when I saw her, she was so bubbly and so just had this energy that, you know, you, you figure everywhere she goes, she's everybody's going to feel good. She has just this beautiful energy about her. And we got talking about that. And she says, yeah, she says, I try to look at the fun in everything, you know. And uh, when I have difficult things in life, I try. There's always a flip side to it where you can laugh about something you're going through that's very serious, you know. Mm -hmm. And so she gets in a deep trance. She goes to a past life very easily, sees herself pass away. And then we're trained at that point. We ask her and said, what happens now? And they say, well, they kind of turn around in a sense. And there's a guide or an angel to take them back home, you know, back to the other side. And so um, right at the very beginning, she sees her guide. And I said, well, can you describe to me what he looks like? And she said, oh, he's he's kind of coming and going in physical form, looks male, and has all this beautiful energy around him. And I said, well, let's let's ask the guide what his name is so we can communicate with him as we're going on this journey. And the guide, uh, the guide says to us, he says, well, uh, just call me Bob. <laughs> you know, Bob so, <laughs> just Bob. So that, in other words, she started laughing. I started laughing so hard. She's in deep trance and she got me, you know, it's like when someone starts laughing so hard and you can't stop, you know. So here's the therapist and then there's her in deep trance. We're laughing so hard. And so I had to do some deepening techniques, take her back down again. Bob was still there. And he proceeded to take us all around. So I got the idea about three-fourths of the way. She went to a council where she got her questions answered. She had prepared for her session about her life, about her mission and all that. It was just, it was so, it was just, it was so seamless. She was having, this, we spent about two and a half hours in the afterlife. And she was getting, she saw relatives that had passed away, had conversations. She, you know, so towards the end, we had a little time and she still was up for exploring heaven a little more. So uh, I asked her guide, I said, it is, do they have comedy in heaven like that? Oh. And, the, and the guide says, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we do. And immediately she was in a comedy club and Rodney Dangerfield, who had passed on, was on stage. OK, oh. and <laughs> so so uh, it, she says, well, I didn't really think he was that funny. Here, you know. <laughs> I didn't so, <laughs> so he gets uh, no respect. So he, he was on stage. He does this joke and some some angel wings go whoop, flopping on him. And then the audience is laughing hysterically. And she says, well, I don't get most of these jokes. I think I think you have to kind of be there to kind of get this kind of like heaven jokes or something. But then I asked I, the guide there. I said, I said, that's so beautiful that there's comedy in heaven. He says, sure. And I asked him, I said, you know, why? Why do we? um not take comedy as like being an important thing of life. You're like, why do we think, oh, it's just, you know, somehow or another, it's like if you're not serious in life, you know, like me. Anyway, uh, through my client, the guide gave me this whole dissertation on why God 
uh, it says comedy is important in our life, you know, and it was beautiful. I have to write it down some day, time and do a little article on it because it was beautiful. Just they were talking about how when we laugh, when we help make other people laugh, it's actually um, it helps us get to that next step of evolution. It, yep. it rises us up. It lightens our hearts. And it said that, that comedy is part of love, you know, and that and how important it was. So it was a great session. It just it was like the theme of the session, you know, it was about comedy. You know, I teach uh, I teach young people because sometimes they approach love and relationships. If they don't have much success and if they happen to find somebody, they get so serious. I was so serious. I have half of my experiences I wrote in my books so serious. And I teach them now that if you could get someone to laugh and I don't mean tell jokes, but if you just get someone to laugh and if they laugh with you, half your job is done of them getting to know you. You don't have to work so hard. Yeah. So if you can get someone to laugh and they're laughing with you, that's a great way to uh, bridge a gap really, really quickly. Comedy is, uh, comedy is amazing. I want to tell you a Rodney Dangerfield story. I like <laughs> So at the improv, uh, it was busy every night except Monday night. And Bud Friedman and his owner, Mark Linnow, decided, let's do something fun on Monday night. Let's uh, have a dance night and we'll play music and we'll put the chairs aside and the comedians or whoever shows up can dance up a storm. Well, when I tell you mm. that Bruce Willis and Bette Midler and uh, Michael J. Fox, I mean, I could just go on and on the people that showed up. But Rodney showed up one day and he was watching <laughs> all the actresses in their skimpy outfits and dancing and everything. But Rodney walked in with this two-piece uh, uh, light blue, shiny suit, okay? So that's like already a little funny. But right here was a huge chocolate stain. Uh. He had no, he wasn't shy at all. He was just uh. standing there with that big chocolate stain on his suit. I mean, I guess you had to be there. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Well, Friedman, that's that's who was sitting next to this guy from Car 54. It's like that the guy, the owner of the club was there. So I had, you know, talk about pressure when I'm when yeah. you're new and you're trying to do a routine for the first time. And you've got the owner of the club and and, uh, you know, you got all these ideas because and I really sucked at that time, you know. But, you know, that's you got to do. You know, I, I, I went on to be pretty good, you know, after them doing corporate shows. Uh, gosh, I did like 200 uh, as the biggest corporations in America and got paid well and they'd fly me in and do a show and it was I felt like a celebrity you know at, at times I'm so but, glad uh, to hear that because the, the biggest act in uh, comedy right now is Jeff Dunham oh god I love him I got he autographed his uh, I went to his book signing when he uh, did his book in LA and he signed uh, got his book right behind me here actually it, he's it, my if favorite you, if you've ever seen his shows he fills hockey arenas. Oh, I know it. He's and he's funny as heck. You know, I mean, he's he's great. You know, well, and, and he laughs also. at life, and that's the thing. You know, you know, to kind of get get this back down around a little bit to you know relationships and stuff. You yeah. know, and Regan, I'll get you a chance to talk with because I don't want you to lose your thought. But okay. you know, it, it's one of those things that you know. I know for me, after 33 years of marriage, if I don't laugh a little bit, oh my gosh, we can go down that rabbit hole very quickly. Yeah. 
One of the biggest things I think in spiritual development is seeing a person who can laugh at themselves. You know, I think that's a, that's some self love right there. Patty, my my significant other here, she's that way. She's she's adorable and has just a great sense of humor, and I love that. But you know, when I was thinking, it's funny so many times because I was on a spiritual walk uh, along this thirty years that I was doing this comedy, and as a ventriloquist, I I I really feel that. Uh, like I had a little uh, talking dog that was so heartfelt that um, he would be, he would do comedy. People would be crying sometimes because he could really get to their hearts. And this whole time as I'm doing that, it fe- it really feels to me that my papa is somebody totally real. I mean, that's it was so real to me that it seemed like I'm working with a partner, even though I knew it was me. But yes, so I'm really thinking it's, it's some of this stuff that happened was like my higher self you know mm-hmm. like that higher part of my it was the the part of myself that was totally about love that would never hurt or do anything wrong to anybody but give just unconditional love you know and that's what came out of this other self and i think that's what made it so real to my audience is the fact that this character that i had was i'm i'm here and having an argument with them and it's myself i'm arguing with but i know i'm feeling like it's a different person you know it was you a see, little you- spook you, you had a chance to have an outlet through your yeah. puppet, and uh, yeah, no, people don't have that. You know, it's, it's that's that's great. Yeah. Really, by the way, so, I have, before we go any further, my wife is sitting right off stage here to the left, mm-hmm. and I know she's saying to herself, "Oh boy, I want to work with Natasha. Oh boy, I want to work <laughs> yes. with." Her. I, I can hear it in my ear. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, um, I'm going to take a little side commercial here because this is Bruce Starr. He's our guest. And if you have any comments, please put in your thoughts about this conversation or, or a conversation about life because I know that a lot of us are struggling right now. And, you know, we're getting into that serious boat. And I can tell you that, I mean, working in the schools, I don't know, you know, you working where you have that since COVID it's been a swimming through muck with emotional baggage from children and adults. We've, we're all kind of in this dance of emotions that we don't know what to deal with. And, and, you know, comedy is one of those things that if we can laugh, you know, you can't be sad and laugh at the same time. Yeah. You know, you can't be you can't be depressed and, and grateful at the same time, you know. And I know for me, I a lot of times when I'm feeling that energy down, um, I like listening to rock. I'm a rock girl. And so I listen to Shine Downs, um, How Do You Love? You know, and one of the th- one of the verses of it is, you know, you lose your way from the cradle to the grave. But in the end, how do you love? And you know, that that that's my mantra in life is how do you love through through the the journey, you know, like we were talking earlier before the show about, you know, and I was telling them, telling you about Bruce about, you know, my husband and um, being an alcoholic and now sober for 11 years. And you asked me about a dry drunk, you know, and not very many people understand that there is dry drunks after you get sober, you know, that you go back through that rabbit hole of emotions and, 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 you know, the old patterns and the old rhythm and, you know, and, and the story was at that time, my husband basically said I was a shitty, you know, excuse my language, a shitty wife. And either I got better, um, I moved out or I paid rent and I just made dinner and I'm like going, okay, what do I do with this? 
And I really had to work through it. But then, you know, what do I, what did I do to get rid of that old trigger of the PTSD that, that, you know, I'm going to tell you, you know, being married to an alcoholic for 23 years, you do get, you do get kind of this, some of that PTSD syndrome and, and, you know, that was an old pattern. And so what did I do? I had to find something. I had to find joy. I had to, to find that moment to work through it because you never know what is on the other side of these implosions of these dances of emotions and these kinds of things. So it, it, it it's an interesting dance and, um, Paula, um, Sheehan, hi, Paula, how you doing? So Paula, hey, Paula. um, <laughs> Kindred stories. Interested since Kinnison, he was Kinnison, the screamer. He was the uh, screamer, right? He yes. Was, you know, you, you, you he was a spiritual guy. I guess he turned to being a reverend somewhere along the line. But no one was crazier than Sam Kennison. Uh -huh. And he was a comedy store guy. I was a improv guy. So I go over there sometimes, but. I don't really know much about him other than the stories I heard from the other comedians who were his roommates, you know, in and out, you know, during the years before he, he took his life and everybody loved him. I don't yeah. remember anybody saying anything bad about Sam Kinnison. Well, and, and how I hear how he died is it was in a, it was a car crash, I think. And he was, he was laying there bleeding out or something. And, um, uh, they were calling the ambulance and he looks up at whoever was there with him and he said, it's all right, it's all right. You know, like he was seeing the angels or he was seeing, it was very spiritual the way he passed. I mean, the way it was, it was told, mm -hmm. you know, that way. And I remember hearing that years ago, you know, that way, because, uh, he, you know, it's always sad when, you know, just like when Belushi died and, and, uh, and uh, oh my gosh. I have a I'm Belushi thinking, story. John Candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> you know. Uh, one night I was at an after hours club, a friend brought me, I didn't do that at all, but this friend brought me to an after hours club in Sun, uh, Sunset Strip and it was upstairs and we were, I was in a room with about 10 to 12 people and they were drinking and I wasn't even much of a drinker. I was just kind of watching and, and, and John Belushi walked in and he, he had on, I'll never forget it. He had on this hat, you know, like the snap hats. And he, he, yeah. was, he was this, his face was this big and gray and he could barely talk. He could barely do anything. And he died three days later. Wow. Yeah. He was, uh, he got to be a real, a real mess that way, you know? Um, well, you know, it's funny because we're talking about comedy and love and everything. And then you see how tragic it is in some people's lives and, and these comedians who make people laugh sometimes a lot of them have really deep issues themselves robin you know? williams right. oh, robin right. williams you know, i i actually grieved when he passed I did there too. was something magical about that man yes. um americana and... suffered when he passed he did uh yeah for those of you watching now too uh um on another program that's like natasha and i's where they have a um, a Richard Martini. It's uh, it's called Hacking the Afterlife uh, or the flip side. And he had a uh, he has a, a very talented uh, medium, just like Natasha on his show. And and uh, she channeled or they got to talk to um, they got to they got to talk to him on the other side. And he, he's it was a very uplifting, beautiful thing that he's, Robin Williams. He's was, a star was, being. He was a yeah. star being. 
it was very, very beautiful. So you could find that if you go to Hacking Afterlife or, and yeah. just see, try to find the one that was on there where, where they channeled Robin Williams, you know. Quick. But what I hear women say over and over again when they're asking, they're asking women and they say, what do you want in a husband? And almost always in somewhere in there, they say, I want some man who can make me laugh, you know. Like that's really important, you know, that way to, 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 to women in a relationship. Well, if, and, you, uh, if, if you ever saw Robin on the Tonight Show and if yeah. you saw him on his TV show, he's just nonstop. And when I remember many times uh, he'd walk into the improv at uh, 11, 11.30 and, you know, the people would just part and he would go to the back and whoever was on stage, they just knew Robin was going to go on now. They <laughs> went, into, went into the audience and they... Robin just, you know, killed it on stage. Yeah. Gilda was before my time, but I do know a, a writer who wrote Saturday Night Live when she was an artist. Was on. And yeah. I'm going to tell you that he's on my Facebook. To this day, he still has not gotten over losing Gilda. And he, he wasn't married. I'm not sure if he, if they were romantically involved and yeah. My wife knows him. Sweet guy. To this day, he I see him remarking uh, about Gilda. So it was quite mm -hmm. a, a loss. She was a very, very special person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, oh, wow. you, you know, that, but, the, you know, that's the thing is, is that, you know, like she was mentioned after he, um, an intense film about that, that, that sometimes when we go through life and we've put on this, perception you know like i've been talking to a friend of mine who is going through a very hard time and she's getting distracted by doing some other things you know going out having fun and that kind of stuff and i said you know it's really nice to be distracted by the realities of our world but if we do our distractions are the things that trigger us in our mind then then sometimes we don't have the tools to get lifted up out of it if that makes any sense that that sometimes life puts us kind of like a double dose we're living our brain and then we play a part that we're living our brain and it's like holy crap that thing that was distracting me is the same thing i'm living with how can i escape it how can i escape it yeah oh, i'm sorry go ahead well let's see really did a huge disservice there oh the medical oh talking about gilda the medical yeah. community really yeah i know there was a lot you know i forget what she was some kind of cancer or something she yeah. died of yeah. breast cancer <laughs> i think so breast yeah. cancer and that was back in the 80s when they when the medical history they the doctors didn't know diddly squat especially diddly squat about the woman's body <laughs> so <laughs> so she was probably probably one of the waker uppers of that the woman's body needs to be looked at a little bit differently and a little bit more with ownership um yeah so yes yeah, so paulus is bruce, very sad uh, ask, uh bruce so in a sense now you've become a light worker for helping people to deal with relationships right yeah, yes. in other words to try to uh to get them to a, approach their relationship from a from a higher standpoint you know exactly. they really realize that they're here to teach each other they're here to grow from each other and that conflict and everything a lot of times is a way of uh of growing yeah. and uh you know because some people at the first 
conflict they have, they want to run, you know, out of the relationship or something. And so they realize, no, you know, you've got to, if you stick it out, a lot of times you can learn a lot about yourself and you can help your mate to learn a lot about themselves. Someone told me that uh, relationships, it's like when you're put with somebody, it's like the other person is like a divine sandpaper, (laughs) you know, like divine sandpaper to help us. And that's been the story of my life is uh, (laughs) I could, you know, the women that have been in my life have actually been, I give them the credit for waking me up. Sure. You know, and, and the, and the books that I've written, I've written a lot about my, uh, these relationships that I've only written about the ones that bring me a little step closer to understanding things, but I was going to bring something up earlier. Uh, the way I help people, you said about helping people grow. I, I bring up the chakras and a lot of people know what the chakras are now. Let's just yeah. say we have seven energy centers and they start way down here in the sexual area. And then it, it goes up here and here and here and here. So I explained to people that when, when I was 18, I was stuck in my lower chakra. And a, yeah. my, my secretary, who was a, a meditator, would say to me, Bruce, you're stuck in your lower chakra. What am I going to do? <laughs> but so, that's, that's, that's where men, boys are through so much of their life is their lower chakras and they haven't gotten up into their their minds um and 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 how to think through life where us women spend a lot of time up here and we don't know how to get down into our bodies interesting so that that, but you know opposites (coughs) make us balanced right if we know how to balance that's one thing that i've talked to my husband about Honey, this is your strength, my weakness. Can you do that for me? You know, kind of like um, Christmas, uh, birthday cards. He would get mad at me because I wouldn't do birthday cards. I said, honey, you remembered them. Get the get a card or tell me to get the card. I'll write in the card and you mail it off. We have our strengths. We have our weaknesses. Can we work together and make a good team? And since we've gotten into that rhythm... You know, we've our marriage has turned out to be the best it's ever been after 30 years, you know. Wow. You know, yeah, the I goal. Was, go ahead. Was, go ahead, Bruce. When I was going through, uh, when I left, remember I said I left L.A. the first time and I moved to Manhattan and I was lost. I, you know, I went from show business woo-hoo, to Manhattan, which is a great place, but I didn't know what to do with myself. And because I was on a, a learning path. A friend of mine told me about this 12-step program to help me understand money. So I went to it, and that was my social life. And then I wanted to study this alcohol thing. So I used to go to AA meetings, and I go to Al-Anon meetings, and I meet all these people. And the one thing I found out about alcoholics, which has always stayed with me, and it's oh, I learned so much from these 12-step programs that if you start drinking at 12 or 13 years old, and I don't mean one drink, no, but no, if no, you no, start no. drinking at 12 or 13 years old, guess what? You you freeze there mm-hmm. emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So People don't you- realize that. It's, it's amazing. I know when my husband got sober, I knew to honor, not demean, but honor his 12-year-old who was learning how to be a man in his fifties. 
Learning to get to be a 13-year-old. Hey, one it's one year at a time. It's There's one no year at a time, and it's taken time. And there were some times where I'd walk up and put my hand on his chest and say, I love you. And it wasn't saying it to the man. It was saying it to that little boy that was learning how to be emotional. You know? And I honored him that way. I knew that he had to do his his growth, because otherwise, where would we be? in in where we're at now and you know a lot of people say well how can you not know the difference between the the man speaking to you and that little boy and i said there's a tone there's a there's a worry there's a there's an impatientness there's a there's a well, what about me you know feel to it and mm. and when that happened it wasn't that i treated him like a little boy but i would have compassion Perfect. and honor you know and sometimes I would have to say, just a minute, I'd walk away, get my composure and come back. <laughs> you and know, maybe it's the same way when they get their heart broken at 17, that yeah. they get stunted and they really don't grow uh, yeah. after that. And I'm just that's just coming to me now for the first time. It's like being an alcoholic. Right. They're, mm -hmm. they're stunted. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So with that, the the and, and you know, because I've known that I've actually told many people that that you know, wherever you start, that that stopping of being who you are, it could be a, it could be a life altering experience, i.e., somebody getting abused. It could be um, it could be an uh, being a uh, hit or or traumatized by a parent or a sibling or something that you stop being that way. Um, sometimes it's a parent who goes through um, cancer with a child. They stop at that time. Um, I just had a client who I helped with that, bringing that part of her forward. You know that there's these dances that we go through where we get stopped. And we need to bring it forward. I know that there's a lot of work that I'm doing through my dyslexic <laughs> self that I've had to bring my 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 inner child that was like, but I don't know what to do. I'm so worried about that. I can't perform that, you know. And it's like, well, come on, girl, we can do it. Look who we are today, you know. And I well, and I can, and there's those we we all have this inner child. We all have this moments where we stop growth, and we need to help that part of us grow and change. Yeah, I think um, what I've noticed, because I, I specialize in PTSD or trauma in my regular therapy practice. Um, and um, what I've noticed is that when people experience any sort of trauma, it kind of freezes them in time, in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can have someone, like I had a woman that was abused by her father for, she's from one of the wealthiest families in America. And uh, he, uh, he sexually abused her for seven years, you know, growing up. And uh, she was just, you know, in therapy, what I first realized, um, she's like 50, 50 years old or something now. But when she thinks about a few of those instances, it's as if it happened yesterday and mm -hmm. she still feels like she's that child that's being uh, abused. It doesn't, it's like time didn't really heal it. It just, it just, that trauma, you know. So um, one of the things I think, and Bruce, maybe this helps too with, with couples that come in. They bring in a lot of this into their relationships, uh, their frozenness of something that happened in their life. And when they bring it into the relationship, it causes issues because their partner doesn't understand why, you know, why their other partners flipping out so much at different things when the other partner thinks they had nothing to do with it, in which they didn't. But somehow they bring, you know, so couples need to heal themselves 
I think um, that's why I think therapy is good for both husband and wife because, you know, that way they cannot not damage each other from things that happen to them from somebody else in their past. You know, when I started on the radio <laughs> 30 years ago now, I started with a hypnotherapist. I can't quite remember his name now, but he explained something to me. He said, think of your life like a brick wall. And every once in a while, you've got red bricks, but then there's this brown brick or this broken brick that's making it so that it's not a super strong uh, foundation. And what's great about hypnosis, and what's great about the work that you do, Natasha, if people would just be willing to reach outside themselves and work with you, are you going to work with you, Natasha? Work with me as a one-on-one -on -one relationship coach. You, you get them to remove that broken brick uh -huh. and replace it with a nice fresh red one. And it, that getting rid of that one broken brick can really help. Yeah. Oh, it, it's amazing. You can change your world spiritually in your health, in your emotional bit. I mean, it's amazing how those pieces do because people say oh i want to get rid of it no you have to transform it you have to help it mature feel loved you know there's been so many times i say can you go back to that moment and hug hug it just say that you're okay no matter who you are what you are what you did you're okay just hug your hug that moment and they go oh 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 <laughs> <laughs> you that's know, really it, nice you know i feel bad now because i i should have put my my website address you guys were smart you put your, your website <laughs> oh we, we, we but, but, but your your email address and stuff i think as in the comments oh, okay. um uh whatever you gave me i copy and pasted it so it, it's in the comments there and um we are at the end but bruce we would love to have you back on i know that oh, we yeah, would love fun. to come back well, all we did was talk comedy, you know, which was great. I love it. <laughs> but but thank you. Thank you, Paula. You even said that this was an amazing show. And, and I carried a smile on my face even when we were talking about negative stuff because that was the lightness of our energy. Great, so great thank time. you, Paula, for great saying time. that because I do feel that this was an amazing show. Um, well, I think, yeah, I think I think today it was actually really good because we talked about the importance of, of comedy. We talked about the importance of comedy in relationships. Um and we also acknowledge that being human beings, that, um, you know, comedy is a double-edged kind of thing, you know. I mean, uh, the, the comedians that did this, uh, a lot of times went through a lot of uh, pain. And we, you know, like with Robin Williams, we talked about and the others. And we, and and the because they made us laugh so much and everything, it was very tragic to us for us to think that how could someone that makes somebody laugh and bring so much joy to the world end up, you know, committing suicide, you know. I mean that way. So it was. I think just allowing us to see the humanness and you know, and the the bigger picture of things today. Well, I really hope that we do more shows together, not just talk about it, because we obviously have something really cool here. And yeah, I, I really like. I, I have. I have. We can set up something after the show. So, yeah, let's um, <laughs> let's do one. Um, uh, just just totally about relationships and about how how people uh, who, a matter of fact, with Bruce, with you having clients this way you can give us some examples of uh before and afters you know 
and sure. what they what they did to uh, uh-huh. uh, to strengthen their relationships. You know. Yeah, it, it is hard not being able to be yourself, <laughs> no matter who you are. Oh, I know. That's that's the trick. Is the more we can find out who we are, and it's about breathing and being in the moment and saying, "I trust myself." You yeah, know? and your folks can write in all sorts of questions that they want to hear us talk about next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be great. That would be great, Bruce. So Bruce, now if, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what is your website? Go ahead and give that out uh, on the air also. So, so, so the website is the T H E open heart movement, the open heart movement.com. And my email is love coach L U V coach one at gmail.com. And I'd like to offer anyone who's listening to the show. If you want to, a free 15-minute conversation with me and see how I work, see how I can help you. Absolutely free if you just mention Natasha. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, Regan, how can people uh, get a hold of you? Well, it, uh, on the screen there, visit theafterlife.com. Uh, There's some great videos on there. You can even see a session of, uh, of a young woman that's uh, going through a session. It's rather lengthy but you know she gets to go to a past life and then go goes to where you go between lives and you can just see her adventure over there which is great and um just to let people know that um anyway anybody in the world now can have a life between life session because uh, we're doing it online now and having just as much success as being uh with people in person um <clears throat> i prefer the in person if uh if i'm you know within 500 miles like i'm going to um <coughs> excuse me <coughs> i'm waiting until the end here to cough but um also um if you are having any issues ptsd any traumas in your life that you haven't got over or fears or phobias um that's something that could be done on zoom online and uh with these new energy uh, energy psychology now people get well rather quickly uh it's not this you know going to a therapist for the rest of your life to try to get over trauma you can you know, I can help you get through it actually relatively easy. So, and Natasha, what about you? You can reach me at angelicclarifications.com. I really enjoy, and I mean this with love, and my it's my soul calling. <laughs> That's why I enjoy it. Bringing light to darkness for people. It's, it's amazing to be able to work through our grief, shadows, um, shame, all those things and find a purpose. And I work through, you know, past lives. I work through what's happened in our life. I I consider this morning a past life. So it's, it's one of those things that as we go through life, we all carry some form of shame, guilt, or why did this happen to me? And, and people have always said, you know, I, I had like five different questions, but in the last couple of minutes, I've put it all together because of the way that you have your perspective. So I love to bring, bring, better lighter perspective so um and you also so have a show, your shows, be in touch bruce shows um, on wednesday also right yes i will wednesday. have a show on wednesday um <laughs> what am i going to talk about on wednesday on wednesday uh the full moon we're going through a powerful full moon and it's about breaking down our old patterns so um I think that that's that's kind of what I'm going to talk about is the full moon and the patterns that we have that are calling to be broken down. Yeah. So 
It's it's a gift. It's a gift. And um, if you're looking, uh, if you cannot, um, if you know somebody who would could really use this show, please share it, um, like it, uh, follow on my um, on my platforms. And um, also, too, if you're looking for podcasts, uh, this show and other shows are on Life Clarifications with Natasha on podcasts. Thank you, Bruce, for being here. This you, was Bruce. a gem of a, of a moment <laughs> to be with you. So grateful for you. Um, Regan, please get healthy. I know yes. it takes you a little bit of a walk sometimes, but yet you'll get there and, um, <laughs> and you'll be healthy again. So... Blessings to all. See us next bye bye. Us next Monday. We do not know what we're going to be talking about next Monday, but we'll be back um, Monday at 4 o'clock Pacific time. I'm live Wednesdays at 4 o'clock Pacific time on the same stations, sometimes on Instagram. Blessings to all. Bye now. See you next week. Stick around.